0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Here, look, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? What prevents me from being baptized? I'm glad to be here, and I greet you in the name of our Lord. I I hope that you are glad to be here as well. I hope that no one is here against their will. I know that some of you are here because uh, a nephew or a niece or a neighbor or somebody is being confirmed, um, and we are glad to have you here as well. This is a remarkable parish, and there's so much that we build on every year. You know, a hundred and something years ago in some committee, somebody said, hey, you know what we need to do is is have lunch every day during Lent, Monday through Friday for the whole city. I wish I could have seen that conversation. Somebody surely must have said, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Can you imagine how much that's going to cost us? Can you imagine how many people are going to have to do how much work to make that happen? And because we looked at what was possible instead of what was not possible, we've done that, you've done that for however long it's been. Some brave souls said, hey, you know what we need to do at the Cathedral Church of the Advent in downtown Birmingham is have guitars and a drum set and Is there a banjo over there somewhere? At the Cathedral Church of the Advent. I would have liked to have been part of that conversation too. Surely this beautiful ceiling will fall in on us if there are guitars played at the cathedral. Who would come to such a thing? And here we are. I was at St. Thomas Episcopal Church this morning, the church I served for 14 years before I was elected bishop. And we were remembering 25 years ago, we were looking for a way to help fund a medical mission to Honduras. And we had a committee meeting because we're the Episcopal Church and that's what Episcopalians do. We had a committee and I suggested maybe we could have a barbecue and the answer, no kidding, somebody said, well, we tried that a couple of years ago and it rained. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then let's don't do that. And then I said, well, let's have a shrimp and crawfish boil. When I was chaplain at Ole Miss, we had shrimp and crawfish boil, a big success. And they assured me that no one in southeast Huntsville would eat crawfish. And somebody suggested lobster. And I thought that was the dumbest idea in the world. Last year they made over $50,000 with lobsters. And barbecue. It doesn't always rain. What is to prevent us from doing God's work? What is to prevent us from offering ourselves more and more fully into the love and service of Jesus Christ? When the eunuch asked Philip, Philip knew the answer, you you can't baptize a non Jew. It wasn't done. He should not even be talking to this man, this Ethiopian eunuch. But Philip knew what was right. Not only did he know what was traditional and lawful, he knew what was right. And so he baptized this man. And what prevents us from offering ourselves more and more fully? Well, we're scared. And I think sometimes we don't really believe all the things that we say we believe. And we're afraid of what our friends will say, and it might cost us some money. A long time ago, I was a priest at a little church in Mississippi. It was one of those little churches that's about half as big as that part of the nave. And we were doing pretty well. We had 40 or 50 people in there most Sundays, 120 for Easter. That was great. Everybody sat in their spot. Everybody knew where everybody else's spot was. There were some spots you just did not sit in. Miss Ellen sat right there every Sunday. And if you sat in Miss Ellen's spot, woe be unto you. And Miss Elizabeth, the other matriarch, sat way back on the other side, next to the last pew, and everybody knew that's where Miss Elizabeth sat. One Sunday morning, I was coming into the church. I was a little bit late because it is my nature to be a little bit late. And Miss Elizabeth came boiling out of the side door and found me and said, He is sitting in my spot. I said, Who is? She said, That man. And he stinks. So I went in and and there he was in Miss Elizabeth's spot. And there was sort of a a protective distance away from him on all sides. And as I followed the crucifer and the choir down the aisle, I kind of leaned over a little bit and I could catch a little hint of a smell that I wish I hadn't gotten a hint of. We walked down the aisle, we had the sermon. Everybody survived that. We had the Eucharist. At the end of the service, everybody had left. And here came this man, the last man in the church. He told me his name was Larry. He said he loved the beauty of the service and the hymns and the, all the part with the bread and wine. He didn't understand all that, but he loved it. He said, Do you think I could come back next Sunday? I said, well, of course. I thought about saying, but you probably need to sit somewhere else. (laughs) He said, do you have any other services during the week? I said, well, yeah, we have a healing service right after the Bible study on Wednesday morning. He said, could I come to that? I said, of course. So the Wednesday morning came along, almost 10 o'clock. I'm bustling down the hall a little bit late because it is in my nature to be a little bit late. And I get to the room where we have a Bible study and here's this guy on one side of the table and eight or ten angry women on the other side glaring at me. And I introduced Larry to the rest of the group. He didn't say much. He sat there and listened to us. And we had a good conversation. And he came back the next Sunday and he came back the next Wednesday. The third or fourth Wednesday he was there, the ladies of the Bible study had taken up a collection and gone to Walmart and bought several items of personal hygiene. Toothpaste and toothbrush, soap and shampoo, two different kinds of deodorant, roll-on and spray. And Larry was glad to have those things. That's when I found out that he slept in his car. He didn't have a house anymore. He slept in his car with his dog, whose name was Ellen. I just include that because I think that's a cool name for a dog, Ellen. I decided it would be a good use of some of the director's discretionary fund to get him a room at the King's Inn right there on Highway 45 so that he could take a shower and maybe shave. And he was grateful for that. I also suggested that I'd be glad for him to get a haircut and I'd pay for it. He did not want to do that. And so he took a shower and washed his hair and brushed his teeth. And he just kept coming. Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. Finally, he worked up the courage to come to the Wednesday noon Bible study excuse me, the Wednesday noon healing service and he was surprised when I went over and anointed him with oil too he said I didn't think you were going to do that one Sunday morning we had a baptism and after the service was over Larry was walking around and making sure, helping me make sure all the doors were locked and the lights were turned off and he said I sure did like that baptism I said yes a beautiful service isn't it he said I never was baptized oh well Larry it's not too late he said you would baptize me well of course I would we'd love to have you the next Sunday morning I baptized Larry and that ring around him got a little bit smaller and he started coming to the potluck lunches and he spoke up a little bit more in the Bible studies I did tell him that it was a strategic error on his part to sit in Miss Elizabeth's place and made another suggestion where he might sit and that helped a lot Months passed and years passed, and eventually I went to another church. The last Sunday, my last Sunday there was tearful and there were lots of hugs. And after it was all over, Larry stayed and helped me walk around and turn off the lights and lock the doors. He said, Father, I owe you an apology. I said, oh, surely not. He said, yeah, I know you wanted to change me but I just couldn't do that. Usually I think of something smart to say later on in the day when I'm taking a shower the next morning I, I think, oh man, I wish I'd said. But just this once maybe I, I knew what to say. No, Larry. Something better happened. We didn't change you. You changed us. I moved away, and some months passed. The new rector of that little parish called me and said that Larry had died. And I said, what time's the funeral? And he told me, and nothing's worse than have a funeral with just six or seven people in the congregation. So I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there for my friend Larry. And I drove from Grenada to West Point, Mississippi and got there a little bit late because it is in my nature to be a little bit late and was surprised when I opened the back door of the church and the place was almost packed not only were the women from the Bible study there but most of the congregation was there and other people from the town whose connections with Larry I didn't know were there as well One of the members of the parish adopted Ellen, the dog. And we all gave thanks for how he touched us in his own way. We are scared of change. We're scared of people that are not like us. We are easily suspicious. And what prevents us from being true disciples? What prevents us from loving our neighbors as ourselves and respecting the dignity of every human being? What prevents us Well, we're selfish and we're scared and we're suspicious. I'm grateful to serve as your bishop. And I've learned a lot in the last ten years. I've learned how to disagree with people. Without calling them names or saying bad things about them, I've learned that everybody doesn't have to do things just the way I do them. I've learned to rejoice with sisters and brothers of all colors and economic levels, even the ones that make me nervous at first we are here for confirmations and we need to go ahead and get this sermon out of the way so we can get on with that the way we're set up in the Episcopal Church is the bishop can't just sneak up behind you and confirm you against your will it takes a congregation to stand up and say here's what we believe do you believe in God do you believe in the Holy Spirit do you believe in Jesus And then having affirmed our faith in the ancient creed, the Apostles' Creed, we turn our attention to what are we supposed to do about it. It's not just theoretical. It's not just long ago and far away. It's not something that happened to somebody else. It's what goes on with us right now here today. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in the prayers? Will you continue? Even if the bishop's sermon goes on and on and on. Even if you disagree with something that you heard. Will you continue? Will you repent and return to the Lord when you mess up? We're all going to mess up. That's a given. The the, the hard part is will you turn around and turn away from yourself and turn back toward God? Will you proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? Not just the priest, not just the deacon, not just the bishop. You, in the way that you live your life, live in such joy and such hope that other people say, man, I want that. Whatever that person has. Will you seek and serve Christ in all people? Even the ones that bump into you at Publix. Even the ones that are in your way as you're trying to go down 280. Even the ones that voted for the wrong candidate. Pull for the wrong football team. Go to the wrong church. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? Will you strive for justice and peace among all people? All of them. And respect the dignity of every human being. Not because they behave in such a way that it seems like they should be respected, but because they are children of God just like you are, just like I am. The answer to all those questions is, I will with God's help. It's printed in your bulletin. You don't have to remember anything. But I do invite you to think about what you're saying. As we renew our baptismal vows in the promises that we make in front of each other and in front of God... with God's help. We we will do these things. We wouldn't without God's help for sure. But the great good news is that we have God's help. We have God's help by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit among us still. We can do these things if we choose. And what prevents us? Tradition? The law? Money? Lack of energy? The dog ate my homework? There is no limit to what the people of God can do by the power of the Holy Spirit. if we serve with a glad heart and with goodwill, there is no limit to what we can do here, now, in this place, in this community. Thanks be to God. Amen.